Welcome to Hablamos, conversations on teaching, learning, and bio-multilingualism. The podcast of the ICME EE project at the University of Nebraska Lincoln. As is mentioned in the name, the main goal of this podcast is to embrace multilingualism. So we are going to have conversation around this topic in the classroom and how teachers can support by a multilingual development. I'm Araceli Lovato and I will be your host. So I hope you enjoy today's conversation. Hi, welcome to a new episode of our podcast. Today, we have the honor to inter interview a professor at the University of Kearney here in Nebraska. Welcome to Chandra Diaz. Thank you, Araceli. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. Thank you for, for inviting me. Thank you for Uh, allowing us to interview. I know that this time of the year, the professors are very busy, so this is a pleasure for us. <laughs> yes, we are. Lots of grading. <laughs> <laughs> so I always ask the professor at the beginning of our interview if they would like to talk about themselves so our listener have the possibility to know the professor a little bit more. So can you talk about yourself? Yes. Um, I am a relatively new professor. I've only been teaching for um, uh, this, this school year. And so I, I want to really address um, my, my K-12 experience. Mm -hmm. I was born and raised here in Nebraska. And my my um, heritage, my lineage is from Mexico, mm -hmm. although I am third generation on one side, fourth generation on another. So we, we've been here for quite a while. Um, and unfortunately, we have been here so long that when my grandmother was being raised in Texas, um, they were not allowed to speak Spanish in schools. Okay. And so when her family started to do migrant work up in, um, here in Nebraska, um, her, her, you know, future husband's family was doing migrant work in Colorado. They met up here in Nebraska. And from that, they, they both families had similar experiences in terms of not being allowed to speak Spanish in schools. And so consequently, they made the decision not to speak to their children in Spanish. And consequently, I was, you know, not taught Spanish um, in the home and had to learn it in high school. And so I, I bring this up because for fourth generation Latinos, sometimes, you know, we're, we're so far from, so far removed uh, from the culture in terms of the language. But for me, I felt, I felt very angry that I, I did not get that. Um, and so I think that's what really drew me to my students who were brand new to the country, didn't speak English. Um, and then my work, ultimately, my work with Latino students um, all through my career, just encouraging them just to keep maintain your language, maintain your language, even if people 
in the community um, look at you funny or tell you to speak English. Just keep maintaining that language because one day it's it'll benefit you. Exactly. Um, and so I spent 19 years in either middle schools or high school as a math teacher um, or as an administrator. And in that, when I was a teacher, well, actually both, um, I'd always worked with with Latino students with um, like after school clubs. Uh-huh. And and so yeah, and and so my so that work was was really really profound because it it propelled my thesis uh, for my master's degree. I was looking at highly highly successful Latino students, like what were the common characteristics. And then when I went to high school, a lot of my very highly successful Latino students in middle school dropped out when they got to high school. And so that's what I focused my my dissertation on, was looking at the students who were highly truant and looking at ways schools either push Latinos out or pull them back in, you know, re-engagement strategies. So that was happening all along while uh, one of my one of my most favorite, favorite opportunities in high school was to work with the English language learner department. And in that work, um, I got to meet some really fantastic people. I got to hire an ELL advocate that worked with our families and students and teachers to um, really kind of address the truancy issue. And in that work, we also um, continued our efforts with parent engagement um, of non-English speaking families. And that was probably the mo- one of the most rewarding experiences that I've had in my entire career. And why do you feel that way? Why do you think that it was like one of your best experience? <laughs> um, <laughs> do you put in your did you put yourself in in those families' shoes? Like you could notice how many children were um, weren't they weren't um, acquiring the language because something uh, similar that happened to you in your family? Yes, and I hope I hope you don't make me cry here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so <laughs> you hope so. I don't want you. Uh, we want this like a good experience for teacher and teacher can learn from another teacher. So please don't cry. Yeah. <laughs> please cry. Okay. It matter because it's like a good cry. Like it's a good experience. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, part of it is this whole narrative about, you know, who is Latino? Are you really Latino if you don't speak the language? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so I grew up in that too, that that conversation. And um and so you know, that was when I got to college. Now when I was in high school, I was on National Honor Society. I had a three point six grade point average. And my counselor asked me my senior year what I planned to do after high school. And I said, oh, I'm going to go to UNL. Mm -hmm. 
And his first response was, well, have you considered Mid Plains Community College? Mm. And Mid Plains was just like 50 miles away. And I, and I left that, that experience, you know, and I mean, obviously it still sits with me, you know, 25 years later. <laughs> and I, I just keep thinking like, what, what, what was it about my profile that made him say that to me? Was it because I'm Mexican or Chicana? Was it because I'm poor? I, you know, I grew up, grew up in poverty. Um, and so that started sort of my journey of social justice in schools. Then I got to college and the whole narrative of, are you Mexican enough? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm, yes. And then also just that, that yearning to, um, to really connect with, with Latino families Mm -hmm. in ways that I, I really couldn't because I didn't speak the language. And, um, but students knew and families knew that I cared. Yeah. That's the big, biggest difference. I, you realize, like, they notice that you really care about their, their, like, their children and, and you understand them because you have been in that position. So that's actually yeah. one of the things, like, I, I will say that most of the professors that I, I have interviewed, they say that you need to make connections with the families and with the students because you don't know what is happening behind. Like you have many students in your classroom, but many of them has, for instance, some extra uh, work in their home because maybe their parents, uh, they don't know how to speak English, so they are the translator, or maybe are, they have been teasing because of because they look like Latinos, they don't know how to speak yeah. Spanish. So one of our purpose, I will say, it's like to to motivate those teachers that um, to like, yeah, to care, not to care, but to make relationship with their students and get to know them because they're going to be, uh, they're going to have a difference. Like they're going to make an impact on those students because of that. And you know, actually, Absolutely. Yeah. Taking, I'm taking a heritage course, so I'm learning how to teach heritage speakers. So actually, oh yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. I, I love the course. Yeah. And yesterday we were talking about because you just remind uh, remind me that like we were talking about how children of third third generation they they don't like many of them they don't speak the language because. Uh, they have been teased up and even because of their own family because uh, maybe they travel again to the homeland and uh, they have this accent or maybe inside of the school uh, the teacher assume because their physical appearance teachers assume that they should know the language so Mm -hmm. they have received so many negative aspects that they don't want to learn the language so I like your work, the, your work with the families. I, I bet that it was like a huge impact, for instance, to those kids because they see like an opportunity to, to the importance of learning the language, not, not only to make a cultural connection with, with your family, but also as a, 
a metacognitive um, of like the advantage of, of being bilingual in your brain. Yes, yes. So yes, I agree. I get yeah. like your work. It's very interesting, and I'm glad that you are telling us this because um, I think you can give us some advices to, especially to those teachers that, well, like me, like we are new teachers and we are not familiarized with this. So if you can give us some some advice that we can take into consideration to when we are going to apply it in, in the school, that will be great. Yes. And, and, and so I, I've used some of those experiences now with my college students and I'm teaching basically an introduction to education. So these are all students who are thinking about possibly being teachers or working in schools. And so we get to go on three school visits and they have an observation tool. And one of them is, is language. Um, students who, who, um, who have, who are learning, uh, excuse me, who are, who, whose language is, uh, first language is other than English. Uh-huh. And then I also am working with a group that is learning how to write lesson plans. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so in, in the, in the intro class, um, it's really important for them to see because we, we used to have this false notion of let's be a colorblind society. Like, I don't see color, and and that's a false notion because we, we're, we're all different, and we have differences, and we have different needs, and you have to be able to see. And so that's one piece that I'm, I'm teaching my intro students. And then the students who are, are learning how to write lesson plans, one of the things we, ta- we, we put together, like, different demographics. And sometimes I'll say, what if you have – two students who don't speak English in your class, how, how is that going to reshape your lesson plan? And so we have these really good conversations about um, different teaching strategies, you know, using visuals, focusing on vocabulary. Um, Also, you know, and and one of the first things that, and someone taught them this because this was my first year with them, but, you know, one of the first things that they want to say is, is, well, we'll have the one student who speaks, who speaks, has a, um, you know, speaks better English than the other one. We'll have them translate. And, and often we think like, oh yeah, that's, you know, that's going to be the cure-all. When in fact, we, we have to be very careful that we don't, that we use that strategy on a limited basis because it's not fair to the student who speaks better English, um, it's not fair to them because when you're teaching and then you're expecting them to translate, are they missing out on the instruction? Yeah. And so, you know, we, we've been having those kinds of conversations. And my last two years in public education um, was, real, was a real eye-opener because one of my classes was like, I don't know, let's say there was about 22 students in the class Mm -hmm. and 16 of them were ELL level ones or twos. Wow. And it was probably the, I mean, it was just, it was just, it was a great way to end my career. You know, they were fantastic students, 
but it really stretched me as, as a teacher um, because I wanted to honor, I didn't want, there were so many different languages. Like if it was Spanish, yeah. I could have probably handled, you know, being able to say a few things to get the student going. Mm-hmm. But I had Corinne, I had actually out of the 18 students that were ELLs, mm-hmm. there were seven different languages. Wow. It's like great diversity. And oh, it was beautiful diversity. <laughs> and it really was. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and what I tried to do was just create a sense of community and, and, and show praise for the perseverance and all the kids who were born and raised in the United States just loved, loved them. And they were so supportive and they were so caring. And, and I want to believe it's because we had a sense of community. Um, And so if there was a little bit of translation going on, the kids wouldn't like turn around and and glare, you know, because it was interrupting their learning. (laughs) It just, it just was, you know, it was just really beautiful. And, and one day I had, there, I, I had my tables kind of in, a, in an L shape and I had two newcomers mm-hmm. and I had two students who were level, one was a level two and one was a level one, but he was, he was being able, he was going to really communicate pretty well, even at a level one. Mm-hmm. And so I said to the level two student and I said, Ali, can you, can you introduce can you translate to our, our, our two new students? Because anytime anybody comes to my class, they always have to share out who they are, uh-huh. where they're from, something they're interested in, uh-huh. even if you don't speak English. <laughs> and so um, I was like, Oli, can you do that? And I was thinking that the two boys spoke Arabic. Uh-huh. And Ali turns to the young man next to him, translates what I said in English, into Arabic for the the level one that was next to him. That Arabic speaker translated Arabic into Kurdish for the two newcomers. Wow. And that just gave me chills. And and everybody was like, whoa, what was that? (laughs) They were just like so amazed at like how how amazing that was. I mean, because they could hear the difference in the language and it was it was just really cool. It was that was probably one of the highlights um, of of my classroom experiences that that I've had. So I would say create a, a sense of community, mm-hmm. learn your teaching strategies for ELLs mm-hmm. because what works for ELLs often works for students, you know, who have um, like special education students who have language needs as well. I mean, good teaching is good teaching. Um, the other thing you know, coming from my background, you know, I am third, fourth generation. Something that I shared in my building is that when I took, and I, and I didn't realize, I I didn't realize this in my own self until I took the GRE. Mm -hmm. When I took the GRE, my, the, the one category, and I'm, I'm almost forgetting. So help, help remind me. Um, one of the categories was, was it language or vocabulary or verbal or what, what is the one category? 
I haven't taken it, but... Oh, I, you haven't taken the GRE? Okay. I, I, I didn't. But yeah, it could, I think it's even math, but language is some... I, I don't know, actually. But it sounds like... So, yeah. Yeah. It, it was more like analogies and something like that. So I think it was vocabulary or something. Anyways, I did terrible. Like... <laughs> horrible and I'm not even joking like really bad and and then as I was doing my dissertation I was reading that you know I was actually raised by my grandmother whose first language is Spanish mm -hmm. and so I often I I even as a third and fourth generation mimicked the first generation students who don't have a lot of language in English and so what I was talking about with my with my um my school was is even though we have kids who are not in ELL anymore we have to run data on our students whose whose families at home mm -hmm. speak Spanish or other languages because they also have language needs yep and so when you look at your own classrooms just because kids aren't in ELL does not mean they don't have language needs. Yeah, um, I will say that it's important for content area teachers that get some instruction in ELL because um, mm -hmm. they they not only are teaching content for those kids, uh, language is present. So yeah. you are not only teaching, in this case, math, like how to plus and how to make multiplication and those things but you're also teaching language and you are also assessing language so for content area teacher it's very important to to get to know that and some i am taking a course with like um how to teach uh emerging bilinguals and mm -hmm. i have seen how some of my mates they they don't know how to do those things because they are so focused on, on the on the content that on the content yeah mm -hmm. they, they realize like oh my gosh it's it's true they are like learning uh, the language also in, in my classroom so I will say that it's so important that people that content area teacher get uh, some instruction for for uh, emerging bilinguals because as I said they are learning the language too so yeah I'm glad that you are yeah. telling us those things because are very important for sure. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up because, you know, with the movement of Common Core and even for states like Nebraska who says we're not Common Core, but yet mo most of our um, <laughs> standards are aligned with Common Core, um, there's, there is a huge push mm -hmm. to communicate and 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 my content area was math, and so um, even with math, I you know I I could see the shifting of lots a lot more word problems, a lot more problem solving strategies, and you have to have language, <laughs> um, you have to have language to do that, and so really for teachers to think that they're only going to teach science or only teach history that's archaic thinking I mean we we're all reading teachers we're all language instructors every single one of us so thank you so much for for our conversation this is so interesting that I 
I could talk about this the whole day. <laughs> <laughs> I know, me too. <laughs> you know, but um, the, th the thing with the podcast is like we have like a time limit. But I know. <laughs> <laughs> if you need to, uh, I mean, if you would like to add something else to this conversation to wrap it up or, I mean, you are totally free to do it um but as i said i would like to talk more <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i would just say for for every teacher out there and i and i don't know the people who are listening to the podcast but mm -hmm. um if we're sort of preaching to the choir you know how that goes mm -hmm. um but i i would just say in all the research that i've done all the reading that i i've, I've tried to get my hands on in terms of of students of color who are, who drop out, uh -huh. it's, 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 everything is pointing to the negative experiences that they have in school. Wow. So for everybody who's listening, please be that one adult. Cause all it takes is just one adult to help a student stay engaged. Um, and, and, and get that, that high school diploma. Wow, thank you so much for those beautiful words. Hopefully, we are making a little bit of change, little by little. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you, Araceli, for your work. Thank you so much, Dr. Chandra Diaz. And hopefully, this could help us to improve our schools. So th thank you so much for being our guest today. And have a great day. Thank you, you as well. Gracias. Bye-bye. <laughs> Gracias.